Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome aboard another great episode of the Swing Second Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John Schofield. Joining me today is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette newspaper and our producer is Chris Cervello, class of 99. We are here, August 26th, the end of summer camp for football. Uh, Coach Niamat held his press conference last week, um, or earlier this week rather, and you know, kind of got us up to date with how the team was doing. There have been a lot of different press conferences, Ashley Ingram, a lot of the players. Um, Wags, first and foremost, you know, number one, besides Nehemiah's answers being shorter than they've ever been, you know, usually like you ask Nehemiah one question and he ends up talking to you for like four minutes, which is awesome. Uh, this time he was much, he was much shorter. He was to the point. He was very matter of fact and businesslike about the end of summer camp. Besides that, what were your observations writ large about where the football team stands as we're about now a week and a day away from facing Delaware? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was because he had just got done playing tennis. (laughs) He was like literally off the tennis court, still sweating, using a towel to wipe down as he joined our presser. Um, He said he split the sets, so he's got to work on his uh, ground game. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'll be honest with you, John. I have not seen enough starter versus starter, backup versus backup, hitting to really draw a lot of conclusions about where Navy is. But all the coaches seem very confident. Um, An interesting topic this week that I wrote about was the fullbacks. A significant change in terms of the body type of the fullback. The starter, as it stands now, is Anton Hall Jr., and he goes five foot eight, 205 pounds. So he's more in the Jamal Carruthers mode than the what Navy used to have. I mean, we think about my buddy Eric Katani, who is on the Navy football podcast. He checked in at about 245. Uh, Adam Ballard, Kyle Eckel. Chris Swain, I can name them all, big fullbacks. And Army is still in that mode. Army still rolls out there with a bunch of 250, 260-pound fullbacks. But Navy's kind of changed its style, and it's interesting to see how it will work. But Anton Hall Jr., they're saying, is very dynamic. He is quick. He's got speed. uh, He's elusive. You know, really quick before we get to the press conference with Nehemiah, Nehemiah does address, you know, the, the fullback's position, does address Ty and, and his progress. And again, he has really staked claim uh, to making sure that he is the number one guy and that he is the new Malcolm Perry. He is the new Keenan Reynolds. And Keenan and you guys talked about it in the Navy football podcast. Let me fill in one gap uh, from that amazing football preview, and that was the wide receiver's. Um, where, where do you see them making an impact here 
um, in an offense where you even said, you know, it is it is not really um, a, 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 a hallmark of Ty Lavatai to throw the ball, nor has he been that rushing uh, threat. And Keenan even said it in the Navy football podcast that, hey, you need a guy to average about 13 to 1400 yards a year in order to be impactful. I don't know if Ty's going to get there. I certainly hope so. But if he has to throw the ball, who's he going to throw to? Well, John, Mark Walker has to step up. Mark Walker had a great sophomore season, and then he kind of disappeared as a junior. Let's be honest. He did not have a great junior campaign, and he had shown his sophomore season that he's a deep threat. To me, that's your guy. Mark Walker has to become the man, the go-to guy, Archbishop Spalding graduate. You know, he's going to be a factor. He's a a weapon for sure. But to me, your your top pass catcher is Mark Walker. And I will say Ty is an effective passer. Last year, he just was off target too often. And if you go look at the numbers, he did not complete a high percentage of passes. Um, but he can throw the ball and be effective. And we saw in the Army game, he connected on the passes he had to connect on. So I do believe that Die can be a throwing threat, and I believe he has some weapons. And Mark Walker is your guy that's got to step up, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on him. We'll keep an eye on Jaden Umbarger and uh, and the rest of that wide receiver crew. Again, please listen to the Navy football podcast uh, with Wags and Keenan and EK. It was an outstanding back and forth, and I liked how uh, EK blamed all of his weight loss his freshman year. I'm getting mono. No more excuses, Eric Catani. No more excuses. Um, well, without any further ado, let's get to our uh, back and forth with Coach Niamat, uh and have him actually tell you about where he thinks the team stands. Here is that interview. Why don't we first start to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit? Um, are you pleased with what you're seeing out of Ty? I mean, we've talked about him knowing the offense better, being a little more confident at all, et cetera. Is that you know, showing through in practice or there has he been any setbacks or is he, you know, on an uphill, uh, you know, climb? Well, I, I think he's definitely in a way better spot than he was last year at this time. You know, going into the Marshall game has a way better understanding of the offense. I think overall in camp, he's had a really good camp. Um, you know, some days not as good, but for the majority of it, I thought he had a really good football, you know, really good camp. And I've been really pleased with Ty. We had talked about his running and needing to be a more dynamic running threat. Are you seeing that in practice? Does he look like he, he said he worked on cutting and that type of stuff, making people miss? Are you seeing that? I know it. You, when he's not being tank, tackled, it's hard to tell. Well, yeah, he, I mean, I, I really believe he's gotten better. You know, his feet, he worked really hard this offseason. Plus, we also remind him he's not Malcolm and he's 220. You know what I mean? Will Worth, you know, ran okay the way he ran. He's just got to be him, you know, just we're not expecting him to be Malcolm. Uh, but, you know, he's worked on his moves, but also they sometimes just lower your pads on people, just like he did, like I said, in, you know, the first touchdown against Army. I mean, that's just got to be him too, which, like I said, he size-wise reminds me of Will, you know, and so if he's that type of runner and that type of passer, that, that type of player, we, we'd all be happy. Hey, Coach, John Schofield here. You mentioned Delaware, so I'll go ahead and ask you, you know, this is not a walkover team. They play in the CAA. They are routinely um, 
in the conversation for FCS playoffs, at least in the past, they'd be battling it out with the likes of Villanova and JMU. So this is not like the last couple of seasons with BYU and Marshall, but it's not someone that you're looking past. So what is your evaluation of what you're going to see on September uh, 3rd so far? Well, you know, like, again, we just started our preparation for Delaware, and I've been impressed watching them on tape. You know what I mean? Just watching them physically, like, watch them physically against Rutgers. You know, early on, I mean, they held up. You know what I mean? It kind of started to – things started to get out of hand a little bit. But, uh, you know, you look at them on tape. They can run. They're physical. Obviously, they got really good coaches. Uh, but like you said, John, they've year in and year out. Uh, they've always been a good team. I'm not sure why we scheduled them, but that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I mean, well, everything you said is right. And if I may, a quick follow-up. As you've come out of camp or as camp is about to end and you're in that pregame phase, how do you feel like everyone's come out of camp? Pretty injury-free, pretty without incident. Like, how happy are you with how – through the black flag days of the, a lot of the heat through plebe summer. How has the entirety of the team come out of this? I've been really pleased. You know, we've had some minor injuries, like everybody that plays football. I mean, if you put on pads, someone's going to get hurt. It's a contact sport. But for the most part, John, been really pleased, you know, just with um, the amount of injuries have been pretty minimal. Um, I like where we're at two weeks um, into game, you know, getting ready for Delaware. So just right now, all of our focus is, has to change. It's up until this point is just working on ourselves and get, you know, get better ourselves. And, but now, you know, all of our focus has turned to them as we start to, you know, put our game plans together. And, and so I feel good about where we're at, but we still got a long ways to go. I was uh, doing my podcast with uh, Eric Tani and Keenan Reynolds, and we got talking about special teams. And Keenan asked, does Navy have a special teams coordinator, or do they still do it where each coach coaches a unit? I know that you divide units up among coaches, but didn't you have Coniglio kind of serving as overall coordinator of specials? No, he, had, he just had two teams. Yeah, Danny's our special teams coordinator, but everybody still – you know, we have guys that do different units. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. Kind of well, like we've done. Mick, but Mick can, uh, kickoff return. No, Mick is kickoff. Danny's kickoff return. Uh, Coniglio's punt. Ryan Crawford's punt return. You know, uh, Ryan was a special teams coordinator at Wake Forest. You know, so he has punt return. Um, Ashley has field goal. And Coniglio has uh, field goal block. So the, that leads to the question, do you expect, I mean, has that been a point of emphasis after what happened last season with the boo-boos to, make, to try not to have that kind of stuff? Most definitely. I mean, like you said, there's so many games, you know, you can think about from Air Force to Marshall to Houston, SMU, Cincinnati. I forgot, I forgot totally about that at the half. We're driving to go, maybe the go-ahead field goal, maybe the go-ahead touchdown at the end of the half. And we're thinking, well, at least we'll kick a field and go up by three. They block it, get it back, and they go up by three going in half. You know what I mean? So just those kind of things we can't overcome. You know, so you're, you're right, Wags. It's been a huge emphasis this year, this offseason. We've done more special teams this camp than I've ever done uh, in any of our camps before. And so we've put in the time, and hopefully it pays off. And then with regards to the uh, secondary, obviously – 
knew not coaching back there anymore. And you always, you know, you knew he was going to get the safeties right. But uh, how do you like Crawford and RB back there working with the safeties and corners? Have you been pleased with their performances? Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they're doing a good job. You know, really good football coaches. Um, Coach Newberry still has his hand heavily involved in it. You know what I mean? Uh, he's not he's not sitting on the sideline twiddling his thumbs. You know what I mean? So he's still heavily involved in everything and every aspect of our defense. It's, it's his defense. You know what I mean? He's the one who designed it. Uh, so he's still heavily involved in a lot of things. But Coach Crawford and Coach Green have been doing a good job. Last question for me. It's got to feel a little bit like Groundhog Day sometimes with you know, reform two for seven papers. You've now done this a bunch with a bunch of classes, but I'm sure it doesn't get old. Has the brigade reformed as, as all the juniors sign their uh, two for seven papers? Just what kind of feeling of pride did you have about your players? Well, first of all, super excited about, you know, all of our guys that, you know, are coming back, you know, to make that commitment serve our country. First and foremost, uh, we started to exchange uh, scouts a little bit earlier, you know, just so guys can kind of know where they stand on the depth chart. Because normally we do that today. But like you said, John, it's today is a tough day. School, the plebes are back to class. I mean, first time to class. And then you find out you're this, uh, you know, this on the depth chart. So we just want to give guys early to let that digest and soak in a little bit. And, you know, unfortunately, there are some long faces a little bit last week, because if you're a competitor, you don't want to see yourself on that side of the depth chart. But we got some of that stuff out of the way early, uh, like you said. So it didn't all just hit us today, just for that exact reason you said it. The start of school, reform, two for seven is always a tough day. Um, but I, I, we still haven't practiced yet, so we'll see how practice goes today. But I'm hoping some of that stuff pays dividends. Thanks, Coach. Well, obviously, we talked about the offensive line having 12 different starting combinations last year. Um, and, that, you know, you lost some guys to graduation. How, how do you see that unit coming along? Do you, are you liking the chemistry? And has everybody been able to post for practice, most of the guys that are running with the ones? I mean, are you developing the chemistry you would like to see? Well, it's just like, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, a lot of our guys that are going to play were injured or, you know, didn't get a lot of reps in camp. So it allows you to develop some depth. But from a chemistry standpoint, you want the guys that are going to play. And so uh, hopefully those guys will be back today and we can have two weeks to building that chemistry, which we need. And, um, uh, you know, we're expected to have a, a couple guys back today. I was talking to Coach McDonald about the fullbacks. And obviously – uh, you got two guys that are young and uh, fairly inexperienced. They didn't get much reps, game reps last year. Uh, what are you seeing out of Anton Hall and uh, Logan Point? Um, two explosive, dynamic backs. You know, um, Anton, you know, super explosive, dynamic, great making miss ability. Um, Logan is more of a physical runner, but a great speed, and also Dabo, you know, Dabo, our third string. I mean, uh, really pleased with those guys that had a really good camp. And I, I feel like, you know, that position, we're, we're, that's going to be one of our strengths is our feedback position. From multiple uh, coaches that I think Ivan and Joe DePay, that the slots are, this is one of the fastest, most athletic groups of slots that, you know, from top to bottom that you have. Would you agree with that? 
just just top to bottom. You know, we've always had speed there, but maybe not the depth, the amount of speed. I mean, we got some young plebes that have been getting a lot of reps. I mean, we're as fast as we've ever been here. And it's like, like you said, just the depth of it, the amount of backs that can run. Um, we're really excited. Got some, got some guys that can run at the A back. Got some, you know, speed at the fullback position. Just so really excited about that. Awesome conversation there with Niamat, as always. Let's hope that next week for his next press conference, he uh, wins in straight sets and is less sweaty. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but let's go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Jeff Webb. One of his very first interviews as the new CEO of the U.S. Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. We're going to go to break. All right, Sing Second fans. Hopefully that interview with Navy coach Ken Niamatololo has you fired up for next week's home opener against Delaware. Join us for what will be an exciting football season at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. The Delaware game kicks off at noon. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And another squad that begins their home campaign next week is Navy Volleyball. The team kicks off the home campaign by hosting the Kristen Dykeman Invitational September 1st through the 3rd. This includes three exciting matches as they take on VCU, Michigan State, and Albany over the course of that weekend. All home Navy matches are played at Wesley Brown Fieldhouse and are free to attend, so you have no excuse not to come out and cheer on your Fighting Pablo Labradors. That's the Navy women's volleyball team kicking off their 2022 season this coming week. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from break. Uh, without any further ado, here's our interview with Jeff Webb. He tells us what to expect here in the uh, fall season for tailgates, how the building is doing, and some other updates from his perspective. Here is our interview. Thanks for joining us. I think this is one of your earliest interviews, so it gives you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the alumni, the mids, the parents, all of the listeners out there. So why don't you take that opportunity and catch us up with what you've been doing since you graduated. Great. Thank you, John. It is one of my early interviews, and it's gratifying to be interviewing with you since we have a, a history together, as you were PAO at the Naval Very Academy much. back when I was on the board previously. Um, so thrilled to be back in Annapolis, thrilled to be in this position with the Alumni Association and Foundation. Been here about 10 weeks now. My wife, who's a 2004 grad, and I relocated from Philadelphia, where we've been for quite a while. So we've uprooted the family and made a major career shift for both of us. But there's no better reason uh, to do that for than to be here doing uh, what we're now doing. We, we talk about how the physical mission is integral to, to the making of, of women and men of character and consequence graduating from the U.S. Naval Academy. What, what was your athletic um, pursuit when you were a midshipman? I was briefly on the crew team, which I walked onto with no particular skills and figured out that I was the wrong size. In my mind, I thought that maybe I would have been fine, but I was right in between too heavy to be a lightweight, too light to be a really strong heavyweight. So I ended up doing cycling, which is a club sport at Navy. And it was phenomenal. It was life-changing to participate in a sport like that. And there really was no better mental preparation as well as physical preparation for SEAL training and, and life as a SEAL because it's a sport of suffering 
And it's a sport of tactics where the strongest person does not always win. Uh, you need to be strong to succeed. But if you're clever, you, you can really punch above your weight in that particular sport. We know a lot about punching above our weight here. Uh, Chris, go ahead with the next question, please. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and again, congratulations on the, the new job. Um, talk to our listeners a little bit about um, you know, what's on the horizon for the uh, Alumni Association. I, I would say as a 99 grad, I think sometimes we um, we take our own alumni association maybe for granted um, because it's something that we join into right away, and you know we sometimes forget how good we have it until you know that shipmate comes in the mail or we get to listen to an interview like this. So, what are the things that maybe grads who are now starting to settle back into football season and starting to think about the Naval Academy again? What do they need to know about the association and the foundation, and you know what can we expect on the Fall. Well, I'll tell you that it's our job at the Alumni Association and Foundation to be relevant to our members and to our donors. Um, so obviously, most Naval Academy graduates are highly passionate about the institution. And our job is really to harness that and also to figure out what matters to them so we can be of value to them. So they'll just make our network stronger and also hopefully support the Naval Academy. But as far as what's on the horizon, to me, this was a really fascinating time to join the team because we're really at an inflection point. And we're at an inflection point because we're undergoing a once-a-decade strategic planning process at the Alumni Association. We're beginning to work on the next fundraising campaign to support the Naval Academy. And we're a year away from moving into the new Alumni Center, which will make those two first things, the strategic planning and the fundraising campaign, it will really give us a, a location and really the, the cultural ability to bring our whole enterprise together to perform better in all those areas. So it, it really, it, it's come a long way, I'd say, in the last 25 years. Um, that's really when we modernized about 25 years ago, and we've got a very professional organization. But we're now at this point where I expect there to be a lot of positive change in the coming years. So Jeff, you brought up the building and, and I think a lot of people, if you haven't been back into Annapolis recently, just remember that there was kind of crap in between the laundry building and the old super creepy like mail processing building that you could have easily filmed a horror movie in. And, and now there's this incredible progress, you know, right there on the banks of the water. It overlooks, you know, St. John's to the to the back end and on the uh, side end, it's going to look right across at the baseball field. Catch us up on the progress. I saw a pretty cool video of you or at least a photo of you in a hard hat out there yeah. looking at the progress of the building. You, you mentioned it's going to be open in a year. What, what kind of bells and whistles should alumni expect out of this thing? And what's going to happen with the old land where the current right. alumni association is? Well, it's going to be a game changer. First, it brings all of us together, 85 staff members across the enterprise who are currently spread among five different locations. It brings us all together. So it's going to make much us much more effective. But for our alumni, we're now going to have a home with conference space. We've got a conference space that could accommodate 250 people. We've got a lower level conference space that can accommodate well over 100. We're going to have an employee lounge area where there's a functioning bar where alumni can gather. We're going to have a place where alumni can camp out if they're in town for a meeting or a reunion and they just they want to hang out and get some work done. There'll be a space for that. 
So it's going to be this amazing asset and resource for all of our alumni to be able to use. It's a beautiful venue or will be a beautiful venue. If you stand on the second deck, I've been up there already. You've got a view of downtown that you really don't have anywhere else, being able to see church circle and state circle. You know, you look across and you see the Naval Academy. So uh, I just couldn't be more excited about the possibilities that we're going to have there. And I want to highlight Admiral Bob Natter, class of 1967, has been the motor force behind this project for a decade and all the there to be legislation and a lot of work with the government and the Naval Academy and, of course, our, our own alumni network and donors. And he has really just been a rock star leader in that we would not be where we are today without him and, and many others working hard. It's so surprising. I would never know Admiral Natter to pursue anything with any kind of aggression or sense of mission <laughs> accomplishment. Uh, what a what a shocking bit of information that is. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, yeah, it, it's going to be quite the interesting launching pad. It's much closer to Navy Marine Corps Stadium, so I, I see it as like kind of a fob um, for alumni to go, to walk to the stadium. They can go to more baseball games, which I've been clamoring for, for years to get more people over there. Um, it, it just feels like it's going to co-locate you more, which, which, you know, is, is not a knock on the current building. I think the current building is super neat, but, but what an awesome thing for you to have that new place. So what are the big reunions coming up and what should alumni look forward to as they come uh, rolling back in for their reunion weekends and football games? Well, we have 15 reunions this fall, which has to be a record because we're catching up with some classes who missed their reunion because of COVID. So 66 and 67, for example, both have reunions this fall. Uh, so we're gearing up to receive them, to brief them, and I'm sure they'll be excited to hear from the superintendent and I'll get to meet many of them for the first time. But we have uh, the Distinguished Graduate Award ceremony coming up at the end of this week which for those who are not familiar, and I'm guessing most people listening to this are, but if you're not, it's like the Naval Academy Hall of Fame. So we're about to recognize five new individuals there. We are open for new nominations for next year. So that's open for another uh, couple months. If, if you know anyone who's really distinguished themselves, and it's not just something that's for four stars and for big donors. Of course, those people have a huge impact here, but there are people in other fields that have done interesting things. It could be medicine. It could be sports. It could be the arts. We have more artist alumni who are merging in different fields. So I would just plant that seed that if you know someone special who might be considered for, for such an honor, put, put their uh, name in the hat. You know, just looking forward, we're hosting Honor the Fallen Heroes, which is something near and dear to me where we, we bring back Gold Star family members those who have lost um, their sons or daughters, brothers, sisters in combat or operations. And that'll be October 8th at the Tulsa game. We will welcome those families back and uh, they and their loved ones will be called out and, and recognized. So that's something I'm very excited about. Bags. Kind of tell me a little bit about the importance of a Navy football home game day for the Alumni Association and you in particular. It's hugely important. And we have alumni gathering everywhere. So we have... Ackerson Tower, Jaeger Pavilion. We've got uh, class tailgates. The superintendent hosts guests and I participate or will participate in that. So there are clusters of loyal and passionate alumni everywhere. And it's great that football is this vehicle that brings us together. And football is not the only sport that does it, but it, it does it in the biggest way. 
So for me, it's a great opportunity to just move around and meet new people and see some of our alumni and supporters and friends and, and donors and um, just take advantage of the, the terrific atmosphere and the, the passionate supporters that we have in every direction. I wanted to ask, you know, how difficult it is replacing Byron Marshawn, who was in that role for so long and, you know, did a great job. And, you know, you know, have you been able to really have a nice sit down with Byron and discuss with him, you know, what it's all about and some things he's learned, lessons learned over the years? Because, uh, uh, you know, Byron's, I mean, when I think Alumni Association, it's almost synonymous with Byron Marshawn. Well, I've known Byron since he started the job. I went to visit him in April of 2009 in his first 30 or 60 days. And I went in as an alumnus with an idea and a cause that I cared about. And he received me very well. And our relationship began then. So I have the benefit of knowing him throughout his entire tenure and learning from him and learning as a board member of the Alumni Association. However, when you come in and you're in the seat, it's a whole different ballgame and you come to appreciate all the different voices and all the, the different demands that, that the job brings. And they're all positive. I don't mean to present this as any kind of a burden, um, but we have several boards and we have partners on the yard and other partners that all matter. So it's just a lot of getting to know people and a lot of dialogue. And of course, our 85 team members I need to get to know as well. So he's been a tremendous asset in getting me up the curve, as is uh, his predecessor, George Watt, has been extremely helpful to me as well. So I've got the benefit of two great leaders who have led us for the past 25 or so years, who are still in the game and still willing to help. And although there's certainly a learning curve, they've made it a lot easier as long as my terrific team. Well, I know I personally will miss hearing Byron take credit for training the great class of 81 every single time that he hosted uh. one of the uh, one of the tailgates. Slapshot used to really love it. And I know a couple of other 81 grads who really did, too. But uh, but I, I echo the sentiments of Bill Wagner. I mean, Byron was an institution. He seemed like he was there forever. And and I know I'm speaking personally from our previous relationship, Jeff, that it it really made me so happy to hear that your name was the one uh, chosen to replace him. Uh, it's, it's an incredible job. And I know you that you're going to do an incredible job in that seat. So with that being said, everyone has a different answer and, and I'm really interested in yours. What makes the Naval Academy special and, and what was it about the physical mission, you know, upon those fields of friendly strife, sowing the seeds of victory you know, what, what makes the Naval Academy special? How did it get you to where you are today? Bonds that you form with one another, with your company mates, with your teammates, and all the sacrifice you make to get through a place like this and serve afterwards in the Navy and Marine Corps. It creates a special link and shared history and shared experience that can't possibly be replicated. And I have great relationships from other periods of my life, from grad school and companies I worked for that were fine institutions and fine people. But for me, it always comes back to the Naval Academy because it was so formative, because you're making such a commitment to the Constitution and to the values, to your country and to your shipmates that just can't be replicated, can't be replaced and made it the perfect reason or the it gave me all the motivation to come back here and play what little part that I could in continuing it. 
Well, I love it, Jeff. And, and I'm so glad our listeners get to hear that perspective from you as you're going to be leading the Alumni Association into this new era uh, coming up on the horizon. So the, the very short horizon, the alligator closest to the boat, the Blue Hens of Delaware. So as we go out, all I'm going to ask you for is a prediction. What's going to happen on September 3rd when Delaware comes a call into Navy Marine Corps Stadium? Well, obviously, we're going to win our home opener against Delaware. So we could just take the result off the table. Yeah, that's fait accompli. I, we, we, now we need you to fill in the cool content. Yeah, well, I'm no football expert. I'm not going to pretend to be, but I know some. And my football experts tell me that our offense is timing-based and dynamic as our offense is. You just can't replicate game speed and game intensity in practice as hard as you try. So. There could be some acclimating for our team to do. And of course, they've, they've been working hard over the summer, building their fitness. And we're so, uh, let's just say, fitness oriented with the way we run our offense in particular, just trying to stay on the field that, you know, maybe it takes a few games to get the cobwebs out. But I have no doubt about how we'll fare in that particular game. And I'm looking forward to getting into it and learning more. So I don't have to call my experts all the time to tell me what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Webb of the good class of 1995, 96 minus one yet, and uh, the president and CEO of the U.S. Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. So happy that you got us an opportunity uh, to hear your direction and hear what you're going to do, because we're going to see a lot of you. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, please support your alumni association. Please continue to do what you do to support the U.S. Naval Academy and the athletic mission. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to take this thing out. This is Sing Second Sports. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Shooter Realty uh, and his realtor crew of Berkshire Hathaway PenFed Realty. Uh, many thanks to Scott Shooter, to Academy Securities and New Day Mortgage for their help with the Navy Football Podcast and Sing Second Sports and to Dry 5 Annapolis. Thank you for everything that you do. Um, a special shout out to Midshipman Daniel Foner for making Dry 5. Uh, his favorite place to go to for happy hour. To all you mids out there, a fantastic, awesome opportunity to try good bourbon, to have a nice, quiet place with amazing food at Dry 5 right there on Main Street. All right, guys, we are back. So before Wags gets to the beach and goes full Bodie and Johnny Utah for the weekend and the weather is supposed to be pretty awesome from what I hear, let's take this baby out. The great thing to report is that we came out of last night's soccer doubleheader without a loss. Uh, the men threw a great little slotted home goal, goal by Baba Kelly um, in the 46th minute, held on to that lead in a furious second half against a pretty athletic and huge St. Joe's team. I mean, just giant players marauding around. Their goalie looked like he was seven feet tall, a big squad, an athletic squad. They took it to us, but Tim O'Dee's guys held on for a 1-0 victory to start off their year strong against St. Joe's. Congrats to them and the nightcap of the doubleheader. Uh, again, playing without Sophie Ewing, who did her ACL, and now a little bit more injury worry for the Navy women's soccer team is, is Caitlin Duran was carried off of the pitch last night in a 1-1 draw against Maryland. Uh, Duran's injury was, was merely emblematic of how the whole game was against a tough Big Ten team, a new Big Ten team uh, coached by Meg Ryan at, at Navy, who's from the local area here, apparently. 
Um, the uh, yeah, the, the result is is certainly fine. It's a non-conference tie against a Big Ten team, but certainly now they're already stretched thin in the midfield with Sophie Ewing's injury, and now Caitlin Duran getting carried off. That was a very disconcerting moment uh, for women's soccer, but they remain uh, without loss, and they will continue to drive forward. Uh, we'll bring you updates on Duran's injury and everything else there. Wags, any observations from your perspective? You wrote a great, you know, uh, men's soccer preview in the Capitol this past week. Uh, they got the season off to a strong start, which is what you predicted. Uh, what do you see lying ahead for them? All right, well, first of all, yeah, you mentioned uh, Meg Ryan. She is from St. Mary's High School, my alma mater, Annapolis resident. So I did an article on her when she was hired as the head coach at Maryland. So good luck to her. Let's hope she does a good job. And that's really disappointing to hear about Caitlin Duran. I mean, she is a real key player for Navy women's soccer. Let's cross our fingers and pray that she's okay and can get back out on the pitch. Yeah, I did talk to coach O'Donoghue and he seems very confident. I also talked to the team captain, J.D. Wagner. And so a rather interesting uh, pair of brothers on the back line for Navy, John, the Wagner brothers and the Creel brothers who are from Severna Park, but that's the key. Uh, Navy lost the two center backs, Matt Mosito, who's obviously playing for the New York Red Bulls now, and Tyler Collins. Um, they, they, they had two guys that could clean up mistakes in the back and were just so solid back there, and you never had any worries about the back line. So that's the key, the defense. Also a new goalie. Um, so Fanning was a starter last year, so there's a new goalie who's a sophomore. Uh, to me, that's the key. Uh, not surprised about Bob Akali scoring the, the game winner. I mean, he is an exciting player. And OD talks about how he just draws so much defensive attention, John. He's a very strong on the ball, a uh, very, very talented player. I look for a big season out of Baba. Yeah, I think we're all expecting a big season out of men's soccer and a lot of athleticism out there and speed. Um, yeah, the season got off to a good start with them being able to host Arsenal uh, training there at Glenn Warner, which was pretty cool. Exposure to awesome uh, football. Um, and now they're getting their season started and we'll see what lies ahead for them. So great results uh, for soccer. And again, we'll keep you updated on what we hear about Caitlin Duran. Also starting their season tonight is Navy uh, Volleyball. The Fighting Paco Labradors, as I like to call them, will go to the Maryland Invitational at College Park play a couple of teams. We'll give you the uh, the updates on how that goes when we bring you next week's pod. And finally, Wags, I'll have to throw it to you for our final bit. I, I did hear yesterday that Diego Fago was cut from the Ravens. You know, what is your hot take on that? And what do you think lies ahead? Does he get signed to someone else's practice squad? What whisperings do you hear? Well, he was cut rather early. I mean, he was the second round of cuts. Usually the practice squad guys are the ones that make it to the very bitter end and are the you know last cuts. That's the guys you hate to have to part with, and that's when you they, they usually get snapped up to a practice squad. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I did not hear – I've been in touch with the Ravens writers for the Baltimore Sun, Jonas Schaefer in particular, and I had been asking Jonas how – Diego was doing and the fact of the matter is Jonas said he hadn't hadn't shown much um, in terms of NFL caliber he was a little stiff and not quite fast enough um, he did make three tackles in the initial preseason game and he was playing on special teams which is what he was going to have to do 
to make the team. But the, the reality is, is that the Ravens really did not have an opening at the inside linebacker spot. So it was already a long shot for him. I really hope that he does get picked up by some team, uh, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots. Um, Coach Belichick likes Diego. I'll remember at the uh, Touchdown Club of Annapolis Banquet, they stood in the corner and chatted for about 20 minutes. Um, so maybe Bill Belichick gives Diego a chance to get on a practice squad and develop because I think he needs some time to settle in to the NFL, get accustomed to the speed of the game. I mean, it's difficult. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is when you're in the Ravens camp and you're the sixth and seventh inside linebacker, you're not getting a lot of reps. And that's what he needs is reps, practice reps. So uh, let's cross our fingers that, that something goes well for Diego. Uh, but if he doesn't get signed by the season opener, he's going to be in Cameron Kinley territory, which means he's commissioned and he's serving. Yeah, we'll, uh, of course, update you on what we hear there uh, with Diego. And I share your uh, your hope of him latching onto a squad. I just think it does great things for the reputation and brand of the Naval Academy to have him out there playing. Uh, similarly, you know, no update on Noah Song. I, I recently talked to my connection at the Boston Red Sox. They have not heard anything on Noah's uh, request to play baseball for the Red Sox. He remains in limbo. And I assume now... Uh, probably on his way to his first squadron in the PA community uh, while he waits for that word. As we go out, I would be remiss if I did not mention that today, Friday, August 26th, is the Distinguished Graduate Ceremony. It's being held at 4.30 p.m. at Alumni Hall at the Naval Academy. A fantastic group of people going in. Uh, Peg Klein, the first ever female commandant of midshipmen. Uh, Michael Yeager, class of 76. Doug Crowder, class of 74, Peter DeVos, class of 71, and of course, near and dear to us, particularly Bull Cervello and myself, is Ted Carter, class of 81, uh, the most carrier-arrested landings in U.S. history, uh, former superintendent of the Naval Academy, my former boss, Bull's favorite uh, former boss uh, on their aircraft carrier. So congrats to the distinguished grads uh, as they go into history today uh, at the U.S. Naval Academy. For Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Check with us next week when we have our preview for the Delaware game with Naval Academy grad and Memphis musician Chris Nerthen. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.